You know, I don't know if anybody else in here has ever put their foot in their mouth before. Anybody can relate to that? If you can't, just see me after the service. I'll let you know what it's like. For some reason, I seem to have a lot of opportunity to do that in my life. I'm not sure. I can't put my finger on exactly what it, what it is. Um, may, I don't know. Maybe it's because, I don't know, say things uh, sometimes during the week. It might be that. Increasingly, especially as Christians, especially in the culture that we live in, because Christianity, living out the kingdom of God is so countercultural, we have so many opportunities in our lives to put our foot in our mouth especially when it comes to the things that we believe, and even more so when it comes to our opinions. And I think some of the conventional wisdom of the day seems to be like, well, maybe you should just keep your opinions to yourself, especially if they're not the right opinions. And we won't talk about who gets to determine what are the right opinions and the wrong opinions. Uh, But in the world that we live in, we know that at some point, we've got to say something about what we believe. And so we're going to talk this morning about what it looks like to navigate that, especially as God calls us to be influencers with sharing the good news of the gospel. Now, you could keep your opinions to yourself. That could save you a whole lot of trouble in life. Sometimes it's not a bad idea. There's nothing more annoying than someone who goes around and sharing their opinions all the time. Now, don't don't elbow the person next to you just yet. Y'all can talk about that a little bit later. Someone comes up to me, you know, for example, and says, hey, your shirt's got way too many polka dots. I, I don't like your shirt. And, and what do I do? What a response? Should I keep my opinion to myself? For example, should I not say, well, I don't like your face? I, <laughs> like, is that, is that okay for me to just share my opinion? They, they opened up the conversation. I'm just, you know, engaging, right? Is that okay? I, I don't know that, that would all work out all that well. Um, I don't think it would be a good idea, although that is typically how people use social media, so I, I don't know. But when it comes to faith, when it comes to Jesus, when it comes to being a disciple of Christ, when it comes to God's word, I think that maybe we're confused about the things that we believe, like what, what category they fall in. Like, for example, when we read things in the Bible and and God tells us about his character and nature, what he wants us to do about that when he calls us to certain things, those things don't then become opinions in our life. Not not if we're actually convicted about who Jesus says he he is. Those, Those things are not just our opinion. Those are things that God says and he calls us to say and to do and act, act out on. And so, for, for us, at some point in our life, we should probably end up feeling what it feels like to put our foot in our mouth when it comes to Jesus. I don't know, when was the last time you said something about your faith, what scripture says, about what Jesus teaches, and you kind of got embarrassed? Like you, you realize you kind of put yourself out there, somebody challenged you on that belief. Have you, have you ever said anything where somebody's challenged you on what you believe about Jesus? When's the last time you said something that someone disagreed with? And I'm not talking about, you know, I made that, made that social media post about politics, but, or, you know, I made that social media post about whether or not, you know, people should back their cars in versus pull in, in front. Uh, Chip, I had to, I got to get a dig in uh, for that. Um, <laughs> when's the last time you said something that someone disagreed with? We tend to avoid those positions and those situations. Um, maybe you've got a coworker who's always critical because you attend church, or maybe, you know, it's time for you to, I don't know, Stand, stand up for that. With love and grace, of course, but maybe it's time you speak up. Or maybe, uh, here's a different example, maybe you have a neighbor who's going through a terrible time in their family. Maybe they're going through a divorce, or maybe their kids are off the rails, and they need someone to speak the words of hope into their life. 
Again, people in our life aren't necessarily looking for our opinion, but they are looking for the truth of God's word in their life, even if they don't necessarily know that. Maybe you have an adult child that you didn't raise in a Christian home, and you think, my chance to speak to them has passed. Maybe there's an opportunity that the Holy Spirit can provide at some point if we're open to sharing those things with them, the truth of God's word. Maybe it's a parent of yours that didn't raise you in a Christian home. They don't understand why you're here. They don't understand what's going on. And yet maybe you've never talked to them about it. Maybe you've never had that conversation with them. Maybe, maybe it's time for a conversation. Having the convic- conviction to speak up and say something is difficult. And, and for a lot of us, it's that way because we've kind of bought into the way that our culture operates. Let's be honest. For example, some Christians have bought into relative truth. You, you know what I mean when I say that. All truth is relative. You've got to live your truth. You've got one life, so you do your thing. You be who you want to be, however you feel. You can have your truth. I can have my truth. We'll just, you know, kind of live and let live, and, and we'll all be good. Except uh, that's not quite working out for us very well, is it? I'm all for treating people with love and respect who believe or who live differently than I do. But increasingly, like for example, the word tolerance, it has come to mean that we must approve of someone's beliefs and lifestyle, and that it's the height of arrogance to tell somebody they're wrong, or even suggest that there might be another way. This is not how it's always been, and our culture is the worst off for it, for us thinking in this way, and for us as Christians if we engage in this way with other people. God has called us to be men and women and children of conviction. The problem comes when we just kind of go along with life with only caring about what our opinions are and what somebody else's is. And, you know, we say we keep our opinion to ourselves. But, of course, as soon as you say someone to keep your opinion to yourself, you're no longer keeping your opinion to yourself. So it just doesn't work. Maybe there's a better way forward. Maybe there's a way in which we can talk with one another in the fullness of grace and truth, sharing God's message versus all the idiosyncrasies we have in our life that that creates something better in our lives. And at some point, we're not going to, if we're following Jesus, going to be able to keep our opinions to ourselves. We're going to need to influence people with the hope of the good news about Jesus. Following Jesus includes the conviction at some point in our life to speak up. We're going to have to if we're going to be a person of godly influence. It means that we have to say something about what God says. We've been looking at the life of Peter and using him as an example of how he became such a significant influencer in the life and in the church, church history, and how he participated as a disciple of Jesus and followed what Jesus called him to do. Peter was an influencer because he had the conviction to speak up. We repeat things that Peter says regularly in the church. For example, in Matthew chapter 16, When Jesus is talking to the disciples, he comes to the region of Caesarea Philippi, and he asks them, who do people say the Son of Man is? You could ask that today. All kinds of thoughts, all kinds of opinions. And the disciples replied, well, some people say that you're John the Baptist. Others say Elijah, another prophet, and still others, Jeremiah, or one of the other prophets. And then Jesus switches the question up. He says, well, what about you? What do you have to say? Who do you say that I am? And Peter is the one who perks up and he answers because he always likes to say something first. He likes to give his opinion. And Simon Peter, he actually gets it right. And he says, Jesus, you're the Messiah, the son of the living God. There are all kinds of different ideas about who Jesus is. All kinds of popular opinion, all kinds of ways in which people set themselves up to be offended. You know, when we give our thoughts and opinions about what scripture has to say about who Jesus is. But there are a lot of claims about who Jesus is that are just simply wrong. Like, Jesus isn't just some, like, good moral philosopher. He's not just a guy who had some good ideas. He's the Messiah. 
the son of the living God. And this changes everything in our lives about how we think, how we act, how we live, the ways in which we engage with other people in our lives around us. As disciples who were called to be fishers of men like Peter, we're called to influence others with the good news about Jesus. And we're not going to have the courage to speak up if we don't have a good answer to Jesus asking the question, who do you say that I am? So think, think about that. If you, I mean, just in your head, you don't have to blurt it out. Like, who, who do you, be honest with your, not just the Bible answer, but be honest with yourself. Who do you, at this point in time in your life, who do you say that Jesus is? With your thoughts, with your interactions with other people, and just in your soul. Like, where are you with that question in your life? All of this starts, this conviction to speak up, this willingness, this courage to have to give our confession like Peter does to Jesus, it starts with us. Conviction is a personal thing. For many of us, and perhaps unknowingly, because this is just how things go along naturally in, the, in life, and that's okay, we've f- formed our beliefs, or our values, or our convictions of what, what's right and wrong, not on a personal decision that we have been thoughtful about, but we based it maybe on popular opinion. As a result, our values and beliefs have a tendency to reflect what most other people think. You know, the way that we try to get people into this and we say, well, you want to be on the right side of history, right? Well, I, I don't know. It depends on what you're calling right in the moment. This has always been the case, but perhaps the lines in the sand are being drawn more clearly for us in today's culture, in our society. And we need to be prepared to have convictions because we will continue to find ourselves more and more in the minority with the things that we believe, with what Scripture teaches. And, and let me just let you know, this is not a chicken little, the sky is falling moment. This is, this is okay. This is how the church began. And when Peter gave this good confession, good confession in Matthew chapter 16, he had a conviction about Jesus that went against what nearly everyone else believed or was saying at that point in time in history. Now, things have shifted quite a bit. The entire world, just about, not the entire world, but just about the entire globe knows who Jesus is because people have been convicted personally that Jesus is who he says he is. He's the Messiah, the Son of the living God. I think for a lot of us, sometimes we get wrapped up in the popular opinion thing and we don't realize how far off that takes us from what God actually says in his word. The second thing is that kind of gets us in trouble when it comes to our convictions and our personal convictions. Sometimes we base them not just on popular opinion, but we base them on past traditions. Sometimes we make our decisions about who we think Jesus is based on our religious heritage, whatever that looks like. Um, When Jesus talks to Peter, he's asking, what do you personally believe about me? He doesn't say, what do your parents think about me? And he doesn't say, what, what about grandma and grandpa? What do, what do they say? What, did, what do they believe? Jesus is not asking us about our religious tradition or our religious heritage. He wants to know, who do you, Rob, or who do you fill in your name there? Who do you say that I am? And each of us at some point has to come to a point where we make a personal statement, a personal confession, confession of our conviction, where we say, I believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of the living God. This is one of the things that we say when somebody's baptized. We say, hey, I'd love for you to repeat Peter's good confession. Because at that point, we are making that decision. It's not a decision that our parents are making for us. That's why there's no example in in Scripture, for example, of babies being baptized or sprinkled or those kinds of things. Because this is the decision that we're making between us and God. That's the example that we're given. 
This is a personal confession that we are making. It's also not a one-time deal. You know, it's kind of that thing, like if you're married, for example, if you find yourself saying to your spouse, well, I told you I loved you once. If I change your mind, I'll, I'll let you know if I change my mind in the future. Like that, just so you know, that doesn't work. Like that's, that's not the path to a healthy marriage. Like that's something that you need to let them know repeatedly and, and not just say, hopefully we know this. It's not something we can say, just say. Our actions have to fit in with that as well. And so this confession, this personal decision that we're called to make, that, that P- Jesus is asking this question of his disciples, it's, it's not popular opinion, it's not you know, past tradition, but it's an ongoing confession that we make as people who've said, yes, I need Jesus, I'm saying yes to him, he is my Lord and Savior. And in my actions, in my words, I've got to reflect those things. It's one thing to say all of this in front of the disciples. You know, Peter, when he gives this answer, he's like, oh, we're with our buddies, like we're comfortable. It's like, well, we're in a small group. I can say all these things because everybody in a small group is going to agree with me because we're all aligned, you know, politically, and we're all aligned on what we think about cheesecake. And, and so I can just say whatever I want. And, like, I know that I'm in, 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 uh, in company here that, that everybody feels the same way. But it's a whole other thing to say it when the pressure is on. And most of the time in our life, we find ourselves in situations when we're outside of our small group or outside of our church or outside of our family, where we find ourselves in a pressure situation. We, we live in a culture that is not based on the kingdom of God or living the way that Jesus calls us to live. And that's okay, though, because it gives us an opportunity to understand where our convictions actually stand. Our convictions are revealed during times of pressure. It's in those moments that we really figure out what we actually believe in the moment. There are plenty of people, like we've talked about, that have opinions about Jesus. We're called to confess our conviction that he is the Christ. But actually meaning that and living that out when the heat is on, that's when it matters. We see this in Acts chapter 4 in Peter's life as well. So we've seen Peter, like, say the right words. So he's given the right answer in Matthew chapter 16. But can he live the right actions? Can he live these words out? And so in Acts chapter 4, I'm going to be starting in verse 13, but all the way back in chapter 3, Peter and John had been going out. They've been teaching. They've been about Jesus. They've been sharing the good news. They've been telling people about what Jesus did and what they said, what they had experienced about him. And and one of the things that happened along the way is that there was this man who could not walk. Um, Through the power of Jesus, and you can read this in Acts chapter 3, Peter and John heal this man, and this creates a lot of attention. A lot of people gather around, and the religious leaders of the day didn't really appreciate this. Uh, Just a little while ago, I don't know if you remember, but they had killed Jesus. So before Acts, they killed Jesus, and like that was their response. So they kind of talked to Peter and John, and we pick up in Acts chapter 4, the Sanhedrin, who were the temple, religious temple authority of the day, when they saw the courage of Peter and John, this is Acts 4, verse 13, when they saw the courage of Peter and John and realized that they were unschooled, ordinary men, they were astonished, and they took note that these men had been with Jesus. But since they could see the man who had been healed standing there with them, there was nothing they could say. So they ordered them to withdraw from the Sanhedrin and then conferred together. What are we going to do with these guys, they asked. Everyone living in Jerusalem knows that they have performed a notable sign, and we cannot deny it. But to stop this thing from spreading any further among the people, we must warn them to speak no longer to anyone in this name. Then they called them in again and commanded them not to speak or teach at all in the name of Jesus. This, this is where the rubber meets the road, right? Because these were the people 
again, who had just killed Jesus. Like, just, just a couple months ago, if, if that long. These are the people who said, hey, you're not even Jesus. Like, don't, don't even talk about him anymore. We don't like what you're doing. We've got the power to do something about it. And this is what they say to John, Peter and John. And it's at this moment that Peter, or Peter and John are really about to discover what their real true conviction is. Like, in this moment, are they willing to say, Jesus, you are the Messiah, the Son of the living God? Pressure has a way of revealing what our beliefs really are. Sometimes it's those interactions that we have with our friends or our coworkers or maybe people that we don't even know on the, on the street and those interactions that we come to. Like, what do we really believe in that moment when we're thinking more along the lines of our personal comfort or self-preservation or insert blank here? It's one thing to say it. It's a whole other thing to bet your life on it. In verses 19 and 20, Peter and John reply, which is right in God's eyes? To listen to you or to listen to him? You be the judges. As for us, we cannot help speaking about what we have seen and what we have heard. Not only did Peter say it, not only did disciples just kind of think it, they, they lived this out. They, they died as a result of what they were willing to share that they experienced about what Jesus did and said. Again, these were not, oh, we are uh, intellectual, philosophical giants, and we're going to disseminate you know, this new wisdom to you. No, that, that is not at all. They're unschooled, ordinary men, but they were completely different and garnered all that attention because their lives were centered on the conviction that Jesus is the Messiah, the Son of the living God. When the pressure is there, when the storms of life are on top of you, when the wind and waves are all that get your attention, and that's when you find out if you really believe what you say you believe. When the test comes back positive, do you really believe that God is in control in that moment? When you've lost that job, do you really believe that God is our provider? When you're overwhelmed with guilt because of that sin that you've committed and continue to find yourselves falling into again and again, do you really believe that God can not only forgive your sins, but change your heart and your mind? When we lose someone, when that loved one dies, do we really believe in the hope of heaven? That that's a real true thing that changes how we experience life in the moment now. What made Peter such an influence was that in his life, not only did he talk about his convictions, but he lived them out. Our convictions are proven out by how we live our lives. Like we said, it's one thing to say that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of the living God, but it's a whole other thing to live that out. And it's countercultural. It's different. We've got to change our schedules as a result. We've got to change what garners importance in our life. We've got to rearrange our priorities. That, that's what it looks like to actually have that conviction that Jesus is the Christ. Ultimately, what we see in Peter's life is that this confession that he makes way back in Matthew chapter 16 would be the determining factor in who he was as a person. It would be the decision that he made that affected his entire future. This was the foundation for the rest of his life. And it can be a real challenge for us because we might know how to say the right things. We might know how to speak some Christianese. The problem is, is it's not always reflected in how we live. And that's what makes just being a human being tough sometimes. And that's what makes being in community with human beings tough sometimes. But that's where it matters. And that's how we're called to live out our conviction. 
Now, here's what's happened for a lot of people, and we need to be sensitive to these things. They've had a preacher or a teacher or a parent in their, in their life who spoke and maybe said all the right things, but they didn't live it at home, or they didn't live it when they went out somewhere else. The truth wasn't reflected in their life. And instead of making an influence for Christ, maybe they created an indifference in your heart towards spiritual things because you saw them speak up, but you didn't live them out. Listen, we can, we can throw the Ten Commandments up on the wall. That's great. Go and slap that Jesus fish on the back of your car. Go ahead. Like, there's an amazing ichthus. Good job. Uh, you can put Christ follower on your Facebook page. Man, go ahead and tweet that out. That's, that's great. You could, I, I don't know if I really want to say this. Uh, go ahead. I'll say it anyway. Go, go ahead and buy that Christian t-shirt. Yes, it's corny, and uh, I don't know if it's helpful, but man, I wish you wouldn't do any of those things if you're not going to live it. Because I'm not making anything easier on anybody else to actually experience the truth and love and grace and mercy and hope and peace of Jesus. We're called to be an influence through our words and our actions, and our lives should be a reflection of Christ. You and I, let, let me be clear about this too. I'm not talking about like, oh, we should speak less, that kind of thing. I'm not saying that at all. You and I are not good enough to live out our convictions well enough for people to look at that and say, oh man, that guy lives such an amazing life. I can't wait to be like him. Like I have never had anybody come up to me and say, Rob, I want to be you when I grow up. Like that, that is just not a thing of her. Maybe if you ever thought that silently, I don't know, talk to Renee first and uh, see what she has to say, uh, see, see what she has to say about that. It is always going to be necessary for us to use words, and it's always going to be necessary for us to exert some sort of effort to try to live up to those words of Jesus that we are repeating. They ought to be in tandem with our actions and consistent with the Bible. Peter was told to stop preaching in the name of Jesus. However, Peter chose to speak despite the threats of those who killed Jesus because Peter saw and heard Jesus. He experienced the difference in the change that Jesus makes in our lives. And in doing so, he offers great encouragement for all of us to follow his bravery and courage because he passes along that strength of his conviction. And that's why we're here today, is because people saw what Jesus did. They heard what he taught. They experienced the change in his life. And people have been sharing that ever since Jesus came to this earth. The question for us today is, who do you Insert your name here. Who do you say Jesus is? It's not about who I say Jesus is. You say, well, Rob told me that Jesus says this in your conversations with your family, your friends, that kind of stuff. That's only going to go but so far. That's, that won't even get you like a hot dog anywhere. It's not, not worth hardly anything. But who do you say Jesus is, and are you willing to speak up and live for your conviction? A conviction is much more than an opinion that you keep to yourself. Conviction changes the way you live, and it gives you the courage to speak up. And we are steeped in a world of opinions that need the grace and truth of God's love, given a voice through our lives and through our words. So let me encourage you as a follower of Jesus. Then when you kind of get that sweaty palm moment when somebody says something, and you know, you know you have an opportunity to share the truth of God's word. Um, Maybe that sweaty palm, maybe that butterfly in your stomach, maybe that's the Holy Spirit impressing upon you to not miss the opportunity to speak up and share the love and grace and truth of Jesus, who's the Messiah, the Son of the living God. Let's pray.
God, we, uh, as we come together as a, as a congregation, as, as a church family, as we are seeking to worship you, we're making you our audience of one. God, we, we ask that you help us to live our lives and speak our words in such a way that people recognize that, that, that you are the one that we're glorifying because you are all that's good. You are all that's holy. What you have done through your son Jesus to redeem us back to you is worth, worth sharing because it's good news. Because none of us can live good enough lives to experience the, the change that you bring on us to be with you and the way that you have created us to be. So God, help us to live out that call to influence other people with our convictions, both through our words and through our deeds. God, help us to follow the example of people like Peter and the disciples, to be the example, to follow the example of Jesus and how he continually puts himself out there to share you with others. God, help us to, to live out the life change, the eternal change that you have made in our lives. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.